Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I'm your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Nancy McCall. Nancy works at the Brandywine Valley SPCA as Chief Development Officer. She also has eight years' experience as a Director of Development at the Humane Society of Tampa Bay and three years' experience working as a mentor with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society's mentoring program that was sponsored by PetSmart Charities. Nancy has a BA from Sonoma State University in Media Studies, a master's degree from the University of California, Los Angeles in Film and Television, and a paralegal degree from Hillsborough Community College. Nancy, welcome to the show. Hi, Stacy. How are you? Good, good. What a fun Thank day. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, certainly. I thank you for joining us this afternoon. I was wondering if you might be able to uh, tell us a little bit more about how you got started in the business with uh, Community Cats. Well, uh, when I was uh, in Tampa, uh, I started uh, volunteering at the Humane Society of Tampa Bay, um, and then I went on the board, and then when Sherry Silk uh, came and was executive director, um, I ended up uh, going there to work as director of development. Uh, over that time, I've done a lot of grant writing, and in doing grant writing, one of the main things in Florida that we were having so much problems with was feral cats, and so I've written uh, many, many grants uh, for feral cats, and I ended up getting involved in it because I was so interested in the plight of uh, these feral cats in the community. Um, and I started uh, helping out on some trappings, and, and then the next thing I know, I um, really got very involved in it um, and ended up being a mentor with the Merrimack River uh, Feline Rescue Society. So can you tell me a little bit more about the the clinics that the uh, Tampa Bay, Tampa used to run, um, was, they were large-scale clinics, weren't they? Yes. So, no, Tampa runs uh, an extremely large, uh, they they do feral cats on Monday, and we uh, frequently have about 120, and then they'll do some additional cats over the course of the week. So their estimate is about uh, 150 cats uh, that they uh, TNR each week. And how many years has that clinic been running? It's been running now. Um, that program has been extremely active since 2007. And has that impacted the numbers of intakes uh, into the surrounding shelters as well as um, the Humane Society of Tampa? Yes, uh, it was very exciting. We have uh, we kept a chart of how many cats we had TNR'd and how many were euthanized in the community um, using the numbers that we got from all of our um, partners. Um, the two clinics that are there are the ACT Clinic and, of course, the Humane Society of Tampa Bay. And then another partner uh, was uh, Hillsborough County Animal Services, which is now a pet resource center. And so we have been sharing numbers. And so we did this chart, and it was in about... 2012 that we PNR'd this, the amount of cats that we euthanized the same amount. And from that time, excuse me, from that time, um, it has gone steadily down. And uh, this last year, uh, there was only 1,400 cats that ended up being euthanized in Hillsborough County. Um, and it's estimated 200,000 in Hillsborough County. 
Wow. So do you have um, like the live release figures or anything like that to share with us? Yes, the live release um, is overall, and I don't have all these numbers directly in front of me, I'm sorry, uh, for the Humane Society is about 94, and then uh, um, has now for the county gone up to about 75, I believe. That's great. So that yeah. must be a tremendous change from uh, 2007. Um, I'm sure operationally you probably just even just sort of noticed it on a day-to-day operational side of things with regards to the adoption programs and, and certain pressures and tensions. Yes, we've definitely seen um, less casting, you know, coming into the community, and we've also started return to field programs so that those cats that can't be placed in the home can be put out um, uh, back where they came from where they're being cared for. So if you were starting out in a, um, in a you know, brand new community that had no PNR program, um, which this is basically what we did when we were in the mentoring program was we worked with a lot of groups that had very little or no experience with uh, establishing a trap new to return program. What would be the best first step for a group going forward in starting a TNR program? I think the first thing that you want to do is find out who's going to be a good partner. Um, I think partnership is um, so important, whether it be with your local veterinarian, your local animal services, try to, um, you know, make friends with them and then sort of slowly work towards making sure that you can pass some kind of acceptance for feral cats and community cats. Do you find that it's sometimes challenging to get acceptance for CNR or for programs for community cats within a, within, you know, a general area? Yes, there's some a lot of communities that um, basically outlawed, or even some that outlawed feeding a feral cat, um, and then forces all of the caregivers to go underground, um, and it really doesn't work at all. So what we do is uh, take education, uh, you know, to the city or the community or you know the county, whatever is is needed. Um, I used to uh, take the Tampa Bay uh, stats, which is available on their website. Um, you can. Uh, see this chart that I was talking about, um, and we were able to educate and, you know, talk to people about, you know, realities of uh, what it's like to be a, a community cat and what the difference is once they're spayed and neutered, and, of course, vaccinations are so important. It, at both organizations that you've worked with, um, you have worn the hat of a development officer. So obviously that's fundraising. Um, and I've heard many people say over the years, oh, well, it's really hard to raise money for stay and neuter. Do you have any tips for folks on, on how they should approach raising money for their stay and neuter program? Yes, I, I actually do, and that is numbers, numbers, numbers. You have to keep your numbers straight of how many, you know, there are that haven't been or have been, how much done, um, you know, what the uh, live release rate is, what the euthanasia rate is in the community, and that's why you need to try to get your, your partners. Um, grants and fundraising in general for community cash is all about numbers, and you have to be able to show that you have stayed and neutered and vaccinated, you know, so many cats um, and you've made it different in that community and sometimes it's best to just start in a smaller community. Um, I know with the uh, Merrimack River uh, we uh, would start in there was this one place that it was literally the city limits which was a very small city and they concentrated from there but they made such a significant difference from there that they ended up receiving additional funding to do other communities that were you know outside of that. 
Right, right. Yeah, we were, we, ironically, we didn't really know what we were doing back in 1992, but I would say we're thought of as being one of the first targeted PNR areas in the country. Um, and little did we know how impactful we were going to be by doing that. Um, but we were just prioritizing the cats on the 300 cats on the waterfront as our, basically our fundraising efforts were first directed at those cats. And then once we had extra capacity, we would uh, expand beyond that. And, and, you know, obviously 20 years later, we've expanded beyond that significantly. But um, the concept of targeted bay neuter projects uh, is very important. And I would assume that you sound like you're a supporter of coaching a group to think in a target way. I think it's the best way to get started because it's not then you're just doing a scattering, uh, you know, of like the entire community and you're never really truly going to make a difference. I think the only way that you're going to make a difference is to start with a small area to make sure that you get as many of those cats um, sterilized and vaccinated and then move move forward. And I think for getting grants, it's important to be able to say, we did this. We did this small project. We were successful. And now we're asking you if, you know, you would donate some money so that we could expand that and do so. Are you saying that you've been successful at proving the, the first one? Can you tell me a bit more about uh, what you're doing now and what your efforts are on behalf of Unity Cats? Absolutely. Um, I came up to, well, uh, Adam Lamb is the chief executive officer for the Brandywine uh, Valley SPCA, and he used to be in, in Tampa with um, the Humane Society. When he came up here, there was no services for community cats uh, at all, except for, you know, some veterinarians that were willing to do that. Um, so he built from scratch a community uh, cat program, and uh, I ended up helping him uh, with several grants um, that uh, he was successful with PetSmart Charities, um, and he built, uh, you know, got the track, got everything, hired somebody, and built this program that he uh, that they do here at the Brandywine Valley SPCA. Then, um, just in January, we took over animal services for the entire state of Delaware, and. Um, and again, this is another area that didn't have any formal, and there's a few, there's quite a few rescue groups that, that do TNR, but has no formal um, TNR program. So we are in the process of creating a, a, a community cat program and are currently doing actually free um, spay neuter for community cats um, in that, in the entire state of Delaware. And they just started running a um, van from the southern part of Delaware, from Sussex County up to Newcastle. County where our clinic is and they're transporting cats back and forth now. So that's that's the newest thing. Wow, that's that's excellent. Um, transport uh, into uh, the clinics is a, a whole another interesting topic, and uh, it, it's um, just it's another interesting way of you know filling your capacity in your in your clinics, and um, that's great that you're covering the whole state of Delaware. That's just phenomenal. Yeah, we're um, very excited about about that getting in. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like in the last twelve months, there's been a lot of a lot of change happening. Yeah, yeah, there's been yeah. a lot of change. And now, let's take a moment to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Flashlight tag was fun when you were a kid, but no one wants to play hide-and-seek with their trap. Find your trap's location quickly and safely, even when you visit it at night, with the Reveal Wild application for Samsung Galaxy, HTC One, Sony, Xperia, and other Android phones. Or go to tinyurl.com forward slash Reveal Wild. 
if you saw a stray cat on the street, what would you do? First, I'd see if it was ear net, ear notch, tip, ear tip, um, to see if it's already been sterilized, and then look at the condition of the cat um, to determine if it's, uh, you know, living a good life or if it's under distress. Um, that would be the first thing. Um, you know, if I realized that the cat was under, you know, stress and it's not ear tip, then I would grab it and bring it into the clinic. <laughs> And then would you um, you would return it back out? Yes, yeah. As long as it's in good condition, um, you know, if, as long as it's thriving, once sterilized and vaccinated, um, you know, I, most of my experiences in Tampa and what I've found in several of those communities is there was a cat that was literally going to four or five houses on a block, and uh, everybody kind of was putting out food for that cat, and the cat's fine, and you know, it had no problems aside from we need to stop it from uh, litters of kittens. Um, let's go back and touch upon the mentoring program a bit. Um, during the course of uh, your involvement with the mentoring group uh, program, you were able to work with some very small organizations, uh, medium-sized and even larger. Mm-hmm. Would you be willing to touch upon some of the ta- challenges that you saw happening with the groups of different sizes? Yeah, um, it, I think it varies a lot as to how much of a, a community cat program they have going on. Um, several of them were uh, just starting off, and then it was really a lot more of the education and hand-holding, trying to get them to understand, you know, to get their first traps and, and get that going. With the medium-sized ones, um, generally, uh, they'd already kind of started and um, just really needed encouragement, and usually somewhere in the medium range. They're starting to deal with community um, and, you know, political issues with community cats. And then I work with several large ones that um, were just amazing. Uh, they, I, uh, There was one I started with that um, they had just opened a clinic and they basically had changed. Um, they, they sterilized like several thousand cats uh, during that program. So it was, it was really amazing. Um, how can people find you if they'd like to find out more about the work you're doing? Sure. Um, they're welcome to email me. My email address is mdkmccall at yahoo.com. And if I can help with anybody, I'm happy to give out uh, my cell phone, which is 813-394-1267. I still really love mentoring people, so uh, I, I do have people that call me and just ask questions. And anybody out there that has a question is welcome to do so. Nancy, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Just um, my total belief in the community cat program uh, everywhere. Um, you know, these cats have a right to live. And, uh, you know, as long as, as they're uh, living a good life, then I think that, you know, they have the right to do that. And I think uh, people, you know, we need to get them sterilized. And vaccinations are incredibly important to community safe. And so they don't have kittens. And I think then they're going to have a, a fine life and, and be very happy. I can't agree with you more. It's so important that we take care of our community cats, and um, by taking care of them, you know, means staying and neutering, getting them vaccinated, and letting our community help support them, as most everybody does. We're, we're all victims feeding free-roaming cats, and um, some of them end up becoming our house cats, too, you know, in time. Um, so yeah, I, 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 have, really... I have three of those, Stacey. I have three feral cats in my house. <laughs> so do we call you a foster failure or just a uh, 
a three-room rescuer. Uh, both. <laughs> I think we've all been foster failures too, and um, and that's okay. We should we can celebrate that too. Um, many of these kitties come into our lives, and they steal our hearts. Um, and, and we want to be able to bring them into our homes. But Nancy, I want to thank you again for joining us today and being a guest on my show, and I hope you'll be willing to be on the show again sometime. Oh, I certainly would love to, and I uh, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Community Cats Podcast. If you could go to iTunes and review the show, we'd really appreciate it. When you do, take a screenshot of your review, go to communitycatspodcast.com forward slash review and enter your information and we'll send you a t-shirt. While you're there, don't forget to check out all the ways you can support the content you're passionate about. Thanks, everyone. Wow.